Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're here for the very first time, there's a um, blue Connect card sitting by you. If you could fill it out uh, with that information, drop it in one of the boxes on the wall on your way out. We would sure appreciate it. For those of you that are streaming online, thanks for taking time. Um, we hope everybody's staying warm. It's a good thing that your body's 98.6. That just feels warm all of a sudden, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. So um, if you're at home, you wanna pull up on the uh, Life Church Facebook page, the Life Church webpage, uh, this morning's outline for the talk, and uh, you wanna grab your Bibles as well. We, we believe in God's word that it brings life change and um, when you read it and you obey it, uh, we are conformed into the very image of the living God. And that's, that's very cool. So thanks for joining us today. Yesterday, we had no regrets at, um, in the auditorium throughout the building. We had a great time uh, as usual. And... Um, for all you men that were here yesterday, there were two words uh, on the closing session that should stand out in the Hebrew. All right, let's stand and say it together, all right? Let's say it together, guys. Yeah, those of you that are watching online, you can shout it out too. We should hear it. Oh, yeah. Ready? Here we go. Rock Shazak. Again, Rock Shazak. <laughs> oh man, oh man, what's that about? Well, Steve Carter was uh, speaking from Joshua 1, and um, he read from verses 8 and 9 study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen to Steve as he shared yesterday. times in four verses, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? And I love this because in Hebrew, this phrase, be strong and courageous, is the phrase, rock shazak. Rock shazak. And I'll tell you what, for the Hebrew nation, this became the battle cry, rock shazak. <laughs> Woo, baby. So for the dudes that were here yesterday, rock shazak. And in 2021, man, we need that, don't we? Be strong and courageous. So for the men, you need to be strong and courageous. What's that look like? That looks like at night when you put your children to bed, you are strong and courageous. And you read God's word to your sons and daughters and you pray with your sons and daughters and you speak life into them. 
That's being strong and courageous. A man doesn't let his wife do that. The husband takes the front end of it and he leads the charge. That's just a practical way. And there's many others. What are you allowing to your house, men? What are you allowing in? What's on your computer screen? What's on your iPhone? Just kind of go through the litany. What's got a chain on you, man? What's got you chained? What's controlling you? What chain has wrapped itself around your life where you cannot experience freedom? It's time to be strong and courageous. It is. And we sang about it this morning. I tell you what, man, I had chains in my life. It is so cool to be chain free when you live for Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, you wanna be chained to Christ and Christ alone. You don't wanna have multiple chains in your life, but sin has a way of wrapping its cord around you and paralyzing you and crippling you and preventing you from becoming all that God wants you to be. And so this morning we are continuing in our series in the book of Philippians. It's a very practical letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And uh, if you, so if you have your Bibles, you get your pins out, uh, we're going we're gonna to jump in, of course, and, um, and uh, follow along. So, Lord, we thank you this morning. Um, the men that were here yesterday and around the world that participated in no regrets. Lord, we don't want that time to fly away and we're not changed. It's one thing, Lord, where we're sitting in a session and our emotions are, are moved, but God, there's got to be something that takes place in our heart, in our core. Choices, decisions made. And all of us in this room and watching online today, Lord, we realize we cannot afford to play games spiritually. There, there's too many things coming after us. Too many things distracting us, Lord, and we need to make that choice and decision to say no more. No more am I going to let this stuff wrap itself around my life to slow me down in my walk with you, Lord. I pray today that the spirit of the living God would uh, have freedom in all of our hearts, in all of our minds. Lord, we recognize that the mind is a battleground. There are strongholds uh, that are crippling us from obeying your word, Lord. And so let there be freedom in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Daniel Ritchie, you know, on the screen, you've seen him before. He's one of my heroes, and, and uh, anytime uh, somebody goes through adversity in, in life and they overcome it, they don't allow it to, to shut them down or become a victim, etc. cetera, I, I, I appreciate um, people like that that um, are strong and courageous. The Rock Shazak. 
Now you're going to wake up tonight about 2.31 and that Rakshizak is going to be on your mind. It's okay. It's good, man. It's good. Anyway, Daniel was born without arms and uh, he was challenged enough learning to function by using his feet and toes to dress himself, to groom himself, to open doors, to eat. Um, but he did it. He overcame it. His greater challenge, though, was dealing with attitudes that were projected towards him from other people. Those stares, those insults, just plain rudeness that people would throw at him. In fact, there was a time when he was with his family in a restaurant eating, and they were asked to leave because his eating with his feet offended other customers that were in the restaurant. The worst, though, was the assumption and sometimes uh, expressed directly at him that he was a hopeless mistake. Man, he was a misfit, insufficient to lead a full life. And as a result, Daniel started believing those assumptions that people were throwing at him. It was sticking to him. And it developed a hatred for himself and for the people that had thrown those insults at him. You see, Daniel at this time, up to this time, had not uh, put his faith in Christ. And, and also he was, uh, very few friends would hang out with him. But one night, one night, a classmate of his at school invited him to go to church. And Daniel said yes. And that evening, the pastor gave uh, a simple devotional about the love of God. The love of God for all people, not for those with just arms and legs. He quoted Psalm 139, 14. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. Something in that verse resonated with Daniel. You see, friends, we, as Daniel had become hardened and about life and people, how they treated him, still the Spirit of God was working in his life, preparing him for that verse alone. And from that, he responded. It penetrated his heart. He realized that God had created him for a purpose. And that he too, even though he didn't have arms, was a marvelous work of God. Every bit as much as those who had arms. And so that night at church, Daniel... Richie put his faith in Jesus Christ. And shortly after, he believed that God Almighty, the God who created him, was calling him into full-time ministry. And so today, Daniel speaks at churches, conferences, youth events in the United States and all around the world. And as he puts it, he uses his empty sleeves to point people towards Christ. Pretty cool, huh? So what's our excuse? Daniel faced adversity. That adversity was quite challenging until he put his faith in Christ. And from that time on, instead of being a victim, he allowed Christ to, be, to use him as a representative of the kingdom of God, which... Quite frankly, there's great worth and value in that, friend.
what God wants to do in your life. And as Paul was under house arrest in Rome, it seemed like he was taken out of commission, so to speak, for the, for the work of the Lord. He couldn't plant churches anymore. Everything he had dreamed of doing, you know, standing in front of Caesar, uh, walking throughout the streets of Rome, proclaiming the truth about Jesus Christ, he, he was shackled, man. He was, he was chained. And he could have become very bitter and angry that his dream of serving the Lord in this specific way was taken away from him. But instead, instead he looked at it as an opportunity. And so let's go to the book of Philippians and, um, and chapter, chapter 1. Um, starting at verse 12. And I want you to know, Paul says, my dear brothers and sisters, he hasn't seen them in 10 years, and yet you sense that affection that he has for them because they're part of God's family, and Paul is part of God's family. That everything, everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And so, um, I don't know about you, but um, Paul, stuck uh, under house arrest somewhere in Rome, um, and you look up, you know, that word victim, victim is uh, victimization. I am a victim that's being proclaimed throughout our country, uh, the, the past generation, you know, uh, victimhood. It's somebody else's fault. Uh, I, I don't take responsibility for my life. I blame whoever there fits in the blank, you know? And so when it comes to being a follower of Christ, uh, honestly, we should, we should eliminate that mindset. Um, so the victim card, have you used that lately? Hmm? You pull it out of your wallet every once in a while? Woe is me, you think. <laughs> well, that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. Um, Paul says, you know what? I'm throwing my victim card away, you know? Uh, people all around me have handed me the victim card, but I'm not going to use it. No, sir. No, ma'am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ no matter what situation I'm in. In fact, while he's in under house arrest, he's not filling out invitations for a pity party. No, instead he's full of joy. And he's, he's celebrating the opportunity he has um, for Christ. So... Um, during a, a challenging time in, in um, Winston Churchill's uh, political career, he wondered out loud to his wife, you know, going through a hard um, challenge at a particular time, and, and his wife replied that it was a blessing in disguise. And Churchill responded, if it's a blessing in disguise, it is certainly well disguised. Maybe you're feeling like that this morning, you know? Things are hitting your life and you're thinking, man, this isn't fair. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I don't know how I'm going to respond. 
Well, you need to look at it that it's a well-disguised opportunity that God wants to use in and through your life. Don't sign off on it. Don't pray it away, man, because God has definitely use for it. Number one, going back two weeks ago, we, we hit this, and uh, we'll just do a quick review. Number one, joy sees my trial used to spread the good news, verse 12. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Paul is saying to the church, you may have heard what I'm going through, what I've gone through over the past 10 years. You might think, man, I'm ready to quit in this walk with Christ. You might think that I'm really ticked off at God because I'm supposed to be this great apostle. It seems like God's forgotten about me. He's bailed on him. No, 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 that's not, no, that's, that's not Paul. Spiritual maturity can be measured by what it takes to steal your joy, friend. And I tell you what, this is a good time in history to ask yourself that question. What is stealing your joy? Hmm? What are you allowing to steal your joy with your relationship with Christ? Oh, boy. We need to, we definitely need to cultivate uh, joy in our core. Uh, Nick and the team sang about it, talked about it moments ago. Just inviting the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives. And very simply, um, we need to take time during the week as we read the Bible to, to rest in the Lord's presence. And a way of doing that is uh, pulling up worship music. We have a great gift, by the way in our country to have the freedom to be able to do that yeah. at will and to be intentional about it and to put that, that music on and literally resting in the presence of the Lord and allowing him to speak to us, you know, in, in a quiet way and to tell him in return how great he is. There's a great exchange that takes place during that time. There's a song uh, that I've been listening to intentionally called First Love, and, and it's been challenging me. This year, I believe that the Lord um, has challenged me to pray big. Uh, for people to put their faith in Christ. Plural. Many people. For people to be healed physically. For people to be healed emotionally. For people to be healed spiritually. I'm asking God for that. And so, Paul is saying, you know what, I'm, I've, I've allowed the love of Christ to let my roots go down very deep. Uh, 
into the love of God. And that's my anchor for what, no matter what hits me. And in, in Psalm or in, in Acts 21, in Acts 21, it's kind of a, uh, a back chapter in what Paul had to go through. You know, he, had, he, was, in, he was in Jerusalem and, and he, was, he was going to the temple and he was accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple. And of course, the Jews really were ticked off. And so it was a mob, man, a riot in Jerusalem around the temple. And they're trying to kill him, and they're, they're beating him. And finally, Roman authorities were called, and they, were, they rescued Paul from that. And then while the Roman soldiers have him, the crowd's saying, kill him, kill him. And so from then on, Paul went through a, a step-by-step process, you know, of, you know, he, he eventually went to Caesarea. They moved him there. He was held without bail for two years. Then he testified to a Roman governor, and the governor listened to him, but nothing happened. And then later he went before King Agrippa and no decision. And finally he appealed to Caesar, and he goes on a cruise ship. Uh, not so, but a ship. Uh, and it washed up on the shores of Malta because of a storm. And then he's on this island waiting to get picked up again. And a snake bites him that's supposed to kill him. And he, it doesn't. And finally, he's brought to Rome in chains. And for two years, he's under house arrest. So that's, that's kind of the backstory to where Paul's at. And four years have gone by since that episode in Jerusalem. And, you know, falsely arrested, he's accused, his ministry's put on hold. Uh, he's got a prison ministry now, you know, that's something that he didn't count on, but there it is right in front of him. And so when things don't go the way you expect it, does it, does it suck the joy out of you? For me, it did when I was a young man. I allowed that to happen. I blamed God. I felt like God abandoned me because I had this idea on how God would, would work uh, in and through my life, and it didn't happen the way I thought, the timing, etc. And so it sent me down a path that I, I ba- basically crashed and burned until I realized what had happened, you know, the, that I was having a pity party. <laughs> and it's not fun. Have you noticed all of you pity party alumni out there? Right? That's not a fun thing, man. So I had to ask the Lord to forgive me and, and get this relationship with him reignited. And, and that was the tipping point, to be honest. My life was forever changed from that time on. So Paul is saying, um, hey, man, um, you might be questioning what's going on in my life, but I'm pumped, man. I'm excited. Rock Shazak. Some time ago, I did a word study on a text in, in Luke 10. And we're talking about Paul's excited about um, uh, joy sees my trial used to spread good news. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out the disciples 
two by two, and um, they come back and they tell, tell Jesus, oh, man, they're fired up. And even the demons obey us. And, 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 and Jesus says, no big deal, you know, no big deal. Um, verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And he said, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But notice how Jesus transitions. They're focused on the demons obey when they use Jesus' name. Jesus says in verse 20, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. That's what's most important. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your name, well, let me just backtrack for a moment. Personally, I believe that God had in the book of life, he has everybody's name in it. Who's ever lived, who will ever live. And he waits and he waits and he waits. Extending grace to people like my grandfather on his deathbed from allowing alcohol to destroy his body, ravage his body, abusing his wife and his children. And on his deathbed, he calls the pastor of my grandmother's church to come. And it was then on his deathbed, he put his faith in Christ. Is that fair? That's God's grace. Because God waits. He waits. He gives you and I an opportunity, man. And until our last breath, if you did not put your faith in Christ, I believe he erases your name out of the book of life. And Jesus is saying, you should be pumped, man. There should be all kinds of joy jumping out of your body because you have put your faith in Christ and your name is in the book of life. That's what's important. And that's why we have a responsibility to tell others about that good news. It's great news. It's great news. So, um, look at verse 21 of Luke 10. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So I did a word study on that. And it, it, man, it messed with me because, because like going to Sunday school, you think Jesus is always just kind of cool. You know, he's just kind of always under control, man. He's, you know, slow down, man. You're walking too fast. And... But here you see raw emotion of Jesus because in the Greek, in the Greek, um, it suggests shouting and leaping with joy. When it says the joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was telling the disciples, hey man, you should be rejoicing that your names are in the book of life. He was leaping and jumping for joy. See, isn't that cool? And so when you think, man, Jesus, he just got a cool, you know, he's got a low key, maybe a little introverted. 
No, no, no. No, man. He, when he celebrates, he celebrates. Yes. Leaping and jumping for joy. Huh? Yeah, man. That is Jesus. Do you think heaven's going to be boring? No, he's leaping and jumping for joy. So I put that in context here with that joy that Paul's talking about. I, I am so full of joy because I'm telling people about Christ, even though I'm chained to a Roman guard. And <laughs> always going forward, Paul. You know, Paul is always experiencing resistance, man, the waves of resistance coming against him. And, and I love this. We had this two weeks ago, this dude with the umbrella, remember? You guys bring your umbrellas today? Huh? That's, we should always be going forward. You and I face opposition all the time. And the cool thing is because Christ is in you. The spirit of the living God is in you. He empowers you to go against the winds of resistance. To do the right thing. So, we need to have that image. I kind of like the uh, French Foreign Legion motto. Is that on your refrigerator? It says, if I falter, push me on. If I stumble, pick me up. If I retreat, shoot me. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyway, the gospel's always advancing and uh, it's the foundation for your joy. That's what we should get excited about. Dave Ogren and I uh, uh, met Wednesday. He, he was passing through. He's in Nebraska today, the great state of Nebraska. Um, and he told me that he had recently read an article about several young Chinese pastors who were about to be arrested because they were breaking the law and talking about Christ. And they had made the comment how excited they were to be arrested and to go to prison because it would give them opportunity to, to instead of going to seminary, this prison experience would help their faith to develop stronger. When you look at the winds of resistance, see, they could have said, oh, we're victims, you know. Where's God? He's letting us be arrested. No. They go into it joyfully because it's going to develop their faith stronger to persevere. So, number two, joy comes from people seeing Christ from my testing. Verse 13, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Hey, God wants to use your life as an example. You are a walking billboard for the kingdom of God. You'll meet people. Debbie and I, when we were gone a couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity of talking to several people about the Lord. And, and that is exciting. That, man, it just, the joy that comes from being able to tell people about Jesus, right? And I was thinking about you, you, Life Church, that God has you specifically located and placed 
in a job, in a neighborhood, to tell people about him. We have the opportunity. And, and so take it, take it and say, God, use me this week. Use me to bring a person just like Daniel Ritchie, who he was not a believer, but a friend had the courage enough to invite him to go to church. And it was there that he put his faith in Christ. And look at the impact that he's having around the world. See, you see, you never know. You never know. Let God, let God use you. God wants you to tell your story to people. So how could Paul be so positive? How could he be so full of joy being chained to a, a Roman uh, soldier? So um, you're probably wondering who this dude is, right? How come nobody's like raising their hand to ask? Uh, uh, we should have somebody up here on the drums right now. That is a praetorium guard, man. And, and this is Pete, the praetorium guard. You see his name tag? Anyway, he's just one of many. Um, the reason why Pete's here is we need to realize that, you know, we think under house arrest how cool that must be, you know. Uh, all you got to do is go online and order your food for the day and, you know, have Amazon deliver it, you know, how cool that is. But the Praetorium Guard, and we'll get more into it, the chain that, was it a 10-foot chain? Was it a 6-foot chain? Was it a 4-foot chain? No, no, no. It was an 18-inch chain. 18 inches. So the duct tape to duct tape. See? A lot of freedom, right? No, no. 24-7, you're chained to a Roman praetorium guard. So you eat, you sleep 18 inches away from a Roman guard. There's not, would you get excited about that? Paul was excited about it. How could that be? How could that be? You see, Paul thought, this is, this is how he thought, that God must have sent him under house arrest to the praetorium guards for a purpose. There was a purpose bigger than Paul could ever imagine. Joy comes from people seeing Christ from my testing. That's what got him going. Instead of Paul saying, man, I am chained to a Roman guard. Paul said, the Roman guard is chained to me. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> Woo! See, that's, that was his mindset. You see how you can flip it? You know? So when adversity comes your way in life, and say, oh, whoa, oh, I'm chained to a Roman guard. Paul's saying, whoo, he's chained to me. He's not going anywhere. I have his undivided attention. 
You know how it is, man. There are times when you might be telling somebody about Jesus. Oh, oh, I got an appointment. I can't stay. You know, they just walk away. You know, they kind of leave you in the dust. Paul's saying the dude's not going anywhere. You know, he may not like what I have to say, but he's going to have to listen. He doesn't have any earbuds in his ears. You pick that up? That's right. Paul's being guarded by the top of the line, Praetorium Guard. They are the elite. They are the Green Beret. They are the Navy SEALs, man, of their time. They were bodyguards. They were the secret service for Caesar. And they were created by Caesar Augustus 70 years earlier. There were about 9,000 of them in Paul's day. They were paid the double, double wages from an average soldier's salary. And they would, they would commit to being a Praetorium Guard for 12 years. And usually after 12 years, they would retire from the military and they would all kind of end up around Rome, the city of Rome. And over time, the Praetorium Guards became very influential, influencing the po political uh, atmosphere in their country. Many of them would be put up for Roman Senate seats. And so all this meant was to, to God and to Paul was that the Praetorium Guards were one of the most influential groups in Rome. So... Is Paul going to run out a stadium in Rome and have a crusade? And the Praetorium Guard's going to show up? No, that, that wouldn't happen, I don't think. How, how would Paul reach him for the gospel? Well, God had something big in mind. He took his man, Paul, unjustly accused, arrested, sent to Rome under house arrest, and then have the Praetorium Guard be his audience. Pretty cool. Pretty cool plan, huh? So the guards would be changed every six hours. That meant Paul had a new audience uh, four times a day, 28 times a week, 2,900 times in two years. Do you see why Paul's excited now? Huh? That's why it's important we step back and say, God, you're big. You're always working. I don't know all your plans, but I know you're working, and I'm trusting you, Lord. Uh, I'm trusting you. That's why Paul could say for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, the praetorium guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So there was kind of like a chain reaction. When, when his six hours would go, he'd go back to the barracks and he'd say, man, do you hear, Paul, do you hear what Paul's talking about? What do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. I've been thinking about it. I've had trouble sleeping the last week and what Paul's talking about, yeah, I need to get my life right with Christ. I'm thinking about it. So, so here's the deal. They come back to the barracks, and what are they talking about? Some are laughing at Paul. They're making fun of Paul, and some are really evaluating their core. Maybe I should put my faith in Christ too. You see it? See the value of that? Philippians 4.22, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. <laughs> Why? Because the Praetorium Guard, man, they're, they're spreading the news for Paul. See? It's getting all through Caesar's household. 
And so in the middle of Paul's crisis, people are going to meet and see Christ. That's what he's excited about. You might be in the middle of a situation in your life and you don't understand why you're going through. You might feel like you're chained to a desk, you know, at work. I'm chained to this crisis that I'm going through. I'm imprisoned with this particular spouse in my life. (laughs) God wants to do something. God wants to work. I I think about 25 years ago, Debbie and I went out for dinner on our anniversary, and we had reviewed everything going on in and around our lives at church, outside of church, you know, just every, all hell was breaking loose. And over dinner, we said, it's not good for the kids, it's not good for us, we don't need to go be going through this stuff. We need to, we need to get out of here. And we, we voted on it at dinner. And we both agreed. We live in America, so, you know, the vote counts. And, and so, so we, we came back home and we turned on Christian television station that was on at the time. And, and it was a, a little TV in our bedroom and we, we crawled into bed and the dude that was on television, he, he points his finger at the camera and he says, you pastor, you're thinking about leaving. Don't do it. And Debbie and I looked at each other like, you talking to me? Uh, rock Shazak. That's what happened. We were steeled to our core. God used that to encourage us. Because, because sometimes we're chained in a situation and all we want to do is break the chain, get away, because that's the easy way. God has you chained positionally in life for a purpose. Now, we could flip that and say, are you chained by sin? Well, that's a different story. That needs to be broken. But if you're in a life situation and you're flirting with, man, I need to get out of here, you know? I need to cut the chain. 18 inches, man, I, it's, it's too close. I need to get away from this, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. God has a purpose and a plan. And he's going to use it for his honor and glory. Number three, joy flows from being a positive example to others. In Rome, what's going on here? In Rome, there's reluctant Christians. There's fearful Christians. They've heard Paul is, is under house arrest uh, they're cracking down on Christians, and so they're kind of living in fear. They're kind of living in the corner. Like, they're going to come get me in the middle of the night like they did Paul. You know, and so people are, 
they're ashamed, you know, they become ashamed of the gospel. And, and you know, Paul ends up in jail and they're saying, man, man, what's going on here? And so let's take a, this is Rome. There it is. This is Rome. You ever been there? The Colosseum looks pretty nifty right there, but I tell you what, uh, just a heads up, um, Nero was the emperor of Rome at the time. And for those of you that know history, you know Nero. Used Christians as torches in his backyard at night. He'd light them up. He'd throw Christians into the Colosseum with lions. And the list would go on and on. That's how Christians were treated in Rome back in the day. So with Paul, when he's under house arrest, this is on the front end. Nero's going to lose his mind later on in a few years, and he's just going to terrorize Christians. So prior to this, the Christians are living in fear, and they're, they're, some, they're paralyzed, and they're watching each other in Rome, and they're not really doing much for the kingdom of God. And so what Paul's doing in under house arrest, it's, it's suddenly putting a spark of life into him. You know, people say, man, you're, if you tell this person, they're going to they're gonna make fun of you. They're going to, you know, they're not interested in Christ. What, don't waste your time. No, no. Th those little voices in the back of your head, that was going on in Rome. And so what happened was, Paul says, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here in Rome have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul, because of his courage, it became contagious. And it was like a wave of <sighs> encouragement throughout Rome. And people started telling their neighbors and people started telling their colleagues at work, telling their friends at school about Jesus. They were liberated because of the courage of one man. People are watching you and are watching me how we live our lives. And if we live in fear, ah. Uh, that's not going to be that source of strength. And so when we step out in courage and boldness, I'm going to tell this person about it. It's contagious. It's good for the body of Christ to see. So we need to, we need to invest in people and invite people to church, just like what happened to Dan Ritchie, Daniel Ritchie. A friend invited him to church, see? We need to invest in people, become a friend, care about them, and then we can invite them to church, right? We can do that. Dane County, Iowa County, Green Counties. There it is. There it is. Um, there's Dane County, Iowa County, Green County. Man, we, uh, Life Church, we're right there, man. Boom, all three counties. Dane County, Iowa County, Green County need to hear the Lord, man. People need to hear the Lord. And so we have a responsibility to give that message out. Um, 
And, and Paul is saying joy flows from being a positive example to others. That's what it's all about. Um, there we have it. So today, today, what's God saying to you? You might feel chained to a job, to a situation. J.C. Penney, back in the day, had stores all across America. When I was a little kid, my mom would walk me to downtown, our little downtown, and we had a J.C. Penney. J.C. Penney, he was so successful, he lived off 10% of his income and gave 90% away to the gospel being proclaimed. He might have felt chained to his, his job. You know, it's so successful, so busy. So he, he gave 90% of his income away. Charlotte Elliott was an invalid. She wrote 150 hymns. The most famous hymn was sung at the Billy Graham Crusades, Just As I Am. She was an invalid. She could have become a victim. No, 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 I'm going to write hymns. Martin Luther translated the Bible into German in the Wattsburg prison in Germany. He's in prison, so he translates the Bible. John Bunyan, we talked about him a couple weeks ago, preacher in England, gets thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Remember, he's preaching over a wall, and people are gathering around, giving their lives to Christ. So what do, what do they do in England? They throw him in a dungeon in solitary confinement. So what's he do? He writes Pilgrim's Progress. See that? Always going forward, man. Always going forward. Pitcairn Island, in the spring of 1789, a bunch of rowdy, mutinous sailors settled on this little dot 4,000 miles east of New Zealand in the South Pacific. Angered by the harsh rule of Captain Bly. <laughs> Mutiny on the bounty. The mutineers gave him a little boat and watched them float out to sea. Well, guess what? He survived. And he testified against the crew of the HMS Bounty. So what became of those sailors on Pitcairn Island? Well, the men took Tahitian wives and they recruited Tahitian workers and they had an opportunity to create a very stable society, but instead they created a sinkhole of violence and drunkenness. The elevated no morals or laws, anarchy ruled the day. Within 10 years, they were dead from disease and attacks. Only one of those sailors survived, Alexander Smith. And it was then, after all of his fellow sailors passed away, he's left on this two-square-mile island. He finds a Bible starts to read it. This is what he said. When I came to the life of Jesus, my heart began to open like doors swinging apart. Once I was sure God was a loving and merciful father to them that repent, it seemed to me I could feel his very presence. And I grew more sure every day of his guiding hand. See what the Bible does? Smith convinced the islanders on Pitcairn Island to follow the teachings of the Bible. You see the influence of one man? And when the British Navy discovered Pitcairn Island almost 20 years later, later in 1808, they, they were stunned by the order and decency 
on that island. And the island was radically transformed. Smith was pardoned. Pitt Kern became synonymous for honoring God in the 19th century. And you look at what happened to Smith, who was confined, chained to an island. He told people about Jesus. And it changed the atmosphere on the island. Let God use you, friend. Let your light shine. Be an example to those that God has brought into your world as you follow Christ. Father, thank you this morning for the great news of the gospel. Lord, this is great news. It's not bad news. We're not told to tell bad news. This is about eternal life, man. Sins forgiven, chains broken. Victory is ours. And so, Lord, this morning we pray for every person here. I think of, of Daniel Ritchie, Lord, who had a friend who brought him to church, changed his attitude, changed his mindset, changed his future, Lord. May we, as your people this morning, um, surrender our lives to you, Lord, and say, use us, use me, Lord, to tell others about you. And for those here today that maybe you've pushed God away, you've, you've, um, you've said no over and over again, I pray. Uh, as Daniel Ritchie's heart had been so hardened, it softened with a message of God's love. May you recognize that God loved you so much he had Jesus take your place to die for your sins on the cross. And by recognizing that, you say, Jesus, you took my place. I believe you died for me. You paid my sin debt in full. And this morning, Jesus, I invite you into my life to become my spiritual leader. Forgive me of my sins. Be number one in all that I do, Lord. As I live for you the rest of my life through the power of your spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, friend, if you invited Christ into your life, we have some material in the foyer. It's free. Take it. Read it. And we'd love to answer any questions you might have about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, man. That's the greatest decision you'll ever make.